0: You're an all star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. And all that does is gold. On. Only shooting stars break the world. Welcome to part two of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast for the Melbourne Storm and Brisbane Broncos preseason episode. This is Barnsley back with Wilfred again. We went through the Brisbane Broncos in part one of this episode. Part two is going to be all about the Melbourne Storm though. So Wilfred, you must be hanging to go now that you've gotten all your Broncos chat out for that first part of the podcast. You must be just primed.
1: I thought we were going to spend much longer on the Melbourne Storm considering how many more relevant players we have to talk about now. <laughs>
0: Uh, I knew that you'd think that all the Broncos were relevant, so I accounted for the fact that it was going to be a two-parter, mate, so that's all fine. But <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the Melbourne Storm because it is kind of chalk and cheese when you're looking at them versus the Brisbane Broncos. Pretty big difference between the two clubs, obviously. The Storm are going to be looking at top four again. I don't think there's much doubt about that. But when we're having a look at the gains and the losses... Uh, big gain was from the Broncos Xavier Coates is going to be quite useful for them The rest of them, not huge But Nick Meaney, Josh King And Jaden Nicaruma could all play a role Potentially for the Melbourne Storm at some point this year I think the losses They had a couple of pretty big ones Josh Adokar is a huge one Over the Canary Bulldogs Obviously they're expecting that Xavier Coates will be able to go Into the wing and replace the pace And what Adokar was bringing Dale Finucan and Nico Hines over the Sharks A couple of big ones too Hines became a phenomenal bench player and also a fill-in whenever anyone was down, particularly Pappenhausen. Uh, and Finucane was obviously the warhorse in the middle that every team needs. Other than that, a few promising guys like Aaron Penne as well left, left and went to the Warriors and then a, a bit of uh, depth as well that went along. So uh, overall, Wilfred, I think they got a bit weaker, the Storm, but you know, still the Storm that we all know and love. I guess the other... Thing that we need to mention is that Nelson Asafa Solomon. There's a question mark on him as well, and there's also a, a question mark on Tui Kamakamitha, who has been stood down because of police charges. So when you when you count those two guys in, they've actually potentially lost quite a bit coming into 2022. Yeah, look, I was going to mention if you didn't. I just think
1: that that middle is going to be a big question mark because if they don't have Nelson, they don't have Tui, and obviously they've lost Dale. That's huge. Like that's three, you know, decent-sized fellas, and and you know, decent chunk of minutes too. So, you know, they, they've got options. The Storm boys have options, but it's it certainly, I'm sure, it's something that Bellamy wasn't planning on. You know, having to deal with that straight up in at the start of the season.
0: Well, they lose a fair bit of potency as well, don't they? I mean, you know, guys like Hines and, and Adokara. Not they've got a lot of pace, but they've also got a lot of X-factor and I don't really think that they brought that back in either. So certainly I agree with you in the middle, but a bit of X factor and speed there that they've lost too.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Adokar, honestly, like there's a potential that Coates is going to be better than him. I know it's a big big call, but... God, that's a big call. It is. You it
0: know, is. It's, it's, it's funny that you bring it up because I had an argument with a, a dis- slight disagreement with the Broncos fan because I could not believe there was a thing put up, I think, on, for NRL.com on you know who's gonna have the better season, um Adokar or Xavier Coates. And a Broncos fan said uh Coates because he's already better than Josh Adokar. <laughs> and I just you know, uh, this is this is Coates who got dropped from his Broncos team that finished third last and and Josh Adokar, that's a perennial New South Wales and, and also even Australian winger now each year. Yeah, you know, but Coates is already better yeah. than been apparently Wilfred. <laughs> look, I, I wouldn't judge
1: them on the fact that Coates got dropped. Like he he was dropped for different reasons. I feel, but look, you just got to watch them play. Like Adokar is such a complete winger. Well, you know, for what he brings, and Coates is the potential sky high. He just hasn't fulfilled it yet. So that's why I think like potentially he could end up actually being a better player than Adokar because he's got that additional ability, but you know we're gonna to have to see it. Um You know they talk; they always talk about his aerial ability and stuff. I'm just you know facepalming because he dropped so many balls in the air. Like he he jumped, he made, it made so a much. lot of errors, he never yeah. he never catches it. So I'm sure you know Bellamy's probably had him cat you know catching bombs and and trying to take AFL style marks all off season and and maybe we'll see some of that on the field. But yeah, look, I I am you know in terms of Adar of Car leaving, I think Coates. You know it's I wouldn't say much of a muchness, but there's a potential that that washes out quite easily. I think, I do think Nico uh, is going to be a huge loss there, obviously, because we saw how good he was in that storm system. Uh, having said that, I mean, you know, technically, if they had Pappenhausen for the season, you know, I don't think they'll miss that aspect of it, but they're going to want to find a, a good 14 to replace what Nico brought. I mean, is that actually Jaden Nicaragua? Who knows? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you're making some big calls. I'll already. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't, I honestly don't think Xavier Coates could tie Josh Adokar's shoelaces. I don't think they're remotely close. Like that. Adokar is one of the best, if not the best winger in the world. And I say that as an avid Daniel Tubo supporter. Um, Brett Morris. You know, uh, only because oh, he retired, yeah. right? <laughs> well, Brett Morris is gone. So yeah, I can't say that. Only because anymore. Brett Morris retired. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's fair. That's fine. But I just, I don't, I don't see it. Like if if Xavier Coates has a great year, it's still not going to be what Josh Odecar brought for the Melbourne Storm at all now. But look, let's look at their draw. I think it's fair to say that it starts off about as good as what you could expect playing the Tigers. Uh, Then they hit South when South are going to have Latrell back potentially. Uh, And then they hit the Eels. So, Certainly the first few weeks, you know, they've got two top four sides in there. But then round four onwards, it really gets pretty sweet for them as far as the draw goes, up until the round 13 by really. Uh, but certainly the first two months. So after the Tigers, Souths, and Eels, they then hit the, the great run of the Dogs, the Raiders, the Sharks, the Warriors and Knights, the Dragons. Then they hit Penrith, which is going to be harder, and then the Cowboys and then the Sea Eagles. So certainly... When you're talking about playing some of those bottom teams, to me, the Tigers, the Cowboys, and the Dragons, they're they're the the bottom teams. I actually think that the Knights will have a a pretty poor season potentially too. So, yeah, it's it's a lot to like there. You know, they don't play by roosters for a start, Wilfred, so that's another big tick. But (laughs) the the Storm's draw is quite good. So it's a pretty good draw to start with, I think.
1: Yeah, look, no, no arguments with that. In fact, even round two, I don't think Littrell's back, but even if he was, I'm not too worried. Like, I just, the Storm seemed to have the wood against the Rabbitohs, generally speaking, and, you know, that team doesn't look the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, you know, like, the loss of Adam Reynolds for for the Rabbitohs is, like, that. that's a new defensive edge, and, you know, they're going to have a new edge back role with Jaden Sewer heading off as well. And I think, you know, do do they move Campbell Graham to left center? like where he was really good in in 2020 at the back end of that season. So yeah, there's a whole potential that whole right edge could be totally different. Mm -hmm. So I do think there could be potential for a high scoring game as the Rabbitohs probably get used to that defensive edge and and whatever. But yeah, I I, I mean, the storm are just so good, aren't they? I'm not worried about any of these matchups really, except maybe the eels, the eels seem to somehow always get the the storm into a bit of a a wrestle and Mm they don't, they don't seem to get blown out very often between those two teams.
0: Yeah, I uh, look, it's the first two months is is what you want from a draw. Um, I'm not going to say it's up there with the best couple of draws, but it's certainly up there um, with the top half of the team's best draws. So you really would be pretty confident with any of the Storm players if you're hoping for attack. But having said that, as far as looking at their season, Wilfred, obviously last year they finished minor premiers um, and they lost to Penrith, but they still had a phenomenal season. Coming into this year, we've spoken about their losses for 2022. I've spoken about it for a couple of years. I expected the Storm would dip a little bit. They haven't really done it. Last year, finishing first, didn't do it at all. But I just don't really like some of the losses that they've got coupled with guys like Kamakamitha and Nassi out of the middle and also someone like Brendan Smith going and there's seeming to be a little bit of disharmony with all of that stuff, you know. It it all might sound like little things, but there's a lot of little things and eventually dynasties kind of break a little bit. And, you know, breaking a little bit might be that they finish fourth. You know, I'm still going to pick them to finish top four, but I don't see them finishing first at all. And I don't think they're going to – they could make the grand final. I don't think they're going to win it, though. And I would probably pick uh, Penrith and Roosters, I think, are more likely to get to the grand final um, than what the Storm. But I still would pick the Storm to be top four. That's actually just going to be quite a big drop-off from the Storm because of their high standards.
1: Yeah, look, I don't disagree with any of that, really. I think it's just me just not, never choosing to doubt Craig Bellamy, honestly. Like, on paper, yeah, a lot of stuff doesn't make sense and it doesn't look great, but somehow Bellamy will figure it out. And that's that's just the general feeling I've got there. So I'm certainly not going to write them off if they end up in the grand final. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. But, yeah, I tend to agree with where you've got them.
0: Yeah, and like certainly they're going to be in the top eight. There's not going to be some sort of humongous drop-off or anything like that. So easy Melbourne Storm supporters. I'm still putting you in the top four. But uh, I just I just think that um, maybe you're not going to be as good as what you have been the last few years uh, and some other teams will potentially overtake them, that's all. But other thing too is that I, I don't really love the bench. So certainly I think that we're starting to see their depth tested a little bit. Um, and I, I don't love the depth that they've got when they're going to get injuries, and I certainly don't love uh, the the forward depth that they're going to have on the bench. I don't like any of that at all. And the other thing too is that even though they're running out for a round, they, they are going to be missing Harry Grant, um, Munster and Brandon Smith all for that round one game against the Tigers too. So that's a juicy matchup, and ordinarily you'd look at it and go, wow, that's a great start to the season. You know, VC or C's all around, Pappenhausen, um, is a great option, but if you had a Harry Grant and Munster and you weren't going Pat for some reason, you know, you'd bank on those guys to score big, but they're not going to be playing against the Tigers. So you're really going to miss out on that big score at the start as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are thinking about not, not, uh, I mean, still starting with someone like a Grant and even Munster. And, and I can certainly see the appeal. There's a potential that both those guys end up number one in their respective positions come end of season, even while missing round one. So, I guess it depends how bullish you feel on that. Uh as you as you pointed out, you know, the bench is certainly a a worry, you know, losing a couple of those signings, but then obviously two of their more senior, more experienced uh middle forwards, I think, you know, yeah. in, in circumstances they weren't expecting, I imagine. Uh I think that's probably going to test the that that situation a little bit, but again, I mean, like I said, I don't doubt Bellamy. He's going to find a way and you know, maybe Josh King is an amazing signing, the, the perennial plotter that he was at the Knights. Maybe he's gonna somehow turn. I don't know. Who else do they have? Like Mick, Nick <laughs> Meanie's gonna be the next Adokar, Car, right, or something like that. Who knows? It's. I just. I just don't doubt Bellamy and whatever he does. I just think he's gonna find a way. And you know, as you say, it might not be one or two, but. They're going to be really tough regardless.
0: Yeah, look, they've still got enough enough quality there to be able to withstand that. And for what it's worth, you know, the reports are that the Storm are confident that the big Nelson is going to come around and he's going to be playing. Um, that they, they think that he will before the season starts. So if that's the case, surprise Bellamy hasn't stuck into his house and jabbed him himself. <laughs> well, he's pretty big. You might need like four jabs at once or something. But it's uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that Tui though. I actually think that Tui is going to be out long term. I don't see him playing much of this year at all um, because the case is even going to take a while. I think before it even gets to court and stuff, and unless charges and things get dropped, then um, that's that's going to rule him out. And that, that that's a that's a big one that's going to hurt. So I mean. Let's start talking about their players. The first guy that comes to mind um, when we're talking about the guys that are out is Grant. And I say that because it's going to be interesting if Tui, Kamakamitha, and Nelson are both out, it means that the middle forward stocks are going to be quite low for the Melbourne Storm. So you would assume that Brandon Smith is going to go into that 13 jumper. Like if he wasn't before and they were going to try and persist with him off the bench, he, he would definitely now because they wouldn't have Nelson to get to start there if they were going to bring him on and start him at 13 or certainly Tui who could have started some games there, so he isn't going to be there either. So Brandon Smith, you'd think he's definitely yeah. going to go there. And if he's starting at 13, maybe that opens the door for Grant to play 80 minutes even, but certainly more than what he was playing last year, because last year he only played 59 minutes a game uh, for that. He averaged 74 points. So it worked out you know, phenomenally, but still you'd hope that his minutes were going to go up at least a sort of 70 minutes plus a game um, is what you'd hope for. The funny thing is with Grant is that even though it is the Tigers, he played 74 minutes a game in 2020 and he only had 71 points a game. So despite going up significant minutes, he's was actually three points a game worse off. Now, certainly the argument is there, Wilfred, and common sense that the Storm are going to score more points and be a better side. Uh, certainly that's a valid one, but it probably puts a cap on it, you know, how much better is he going to be with an extra 15, 20 minutes? You know, maybe it's not as much as what we think. So he's going to come in as probably the most fancied hooker. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of real top-line guns at the hooker spot, um, which has been the case for a few years. A lot of people are looking at Grant. So even though he's suspended for the first game, I'm starting to get the feeling that he's still not going to be a pod. He's still going to be 10% plus. Because uh, a lot of people are talking about the option of, like you mentioned, starting with him missing round one and then having him for the rest. Six hundred forty-five thousand is going to cost you, so it's not cheap, but it's not, you know, turbo price point or anything like that. Yeah, only two of his certain games were sub fifty. And When you're going through his scores, he's obviously got all the big ones, uh, and the majority of them are sixty plus. You know, sixty-nine percent of the time he went sixty plus, and he's got the big ones in there of the one hundred three and the one hundred five. Although he doesn't have the huge tons, he's got a lot that are close to tons with the 98, the 97, and 88. You know, he's probably got about a third of his scores where he's going 80 plus as well. So he's going to score quite big, very solidly without having those 140, 150 point type of ceilings. Looks like a great purchase normally. Does miss round one, which makes it a little bit iffy. How do you feel about holding Grant? even though he's suspended round one? And how do you feel the minutes are going to work out with Brandon Smith there, uh, potentially starting at 13 now?
1: So I guess just looking at the ownership currently, 24.6% uh, earned Harry Grant, even though he's suspended round one. So
0: that's, just cra- that's a crazy number, isn't it? Like I can't say it's crazy when when he's so talented, but it sounds crazy when he's suspended, doesn't
1: it? Well, then, then I look a little bit further down and apparently Brandon Smith is also 9% owned. And he's the sixth most owned hooker (laughs) at the moment. And even he's obviously suspended too. So yeah, look, I'm not going to read too much into it because a lot of people maybe just didn't realize they were suspended or whatever, but I do feel like there's a good chance at least 20% ownership, even though he's missing round one. So to me, like a guy like him who, I mean, the ceiling is easily number one in the game as a hooker and you know, it's almost feeling like his floor is going to be no worse than top three hooking options, um, provided he obviously plays normal minutes and isn't injured every second game or something like that. So I can get around it. Like right now, I'm, I'm. That's my current setup. We've got Randall there for, for round one, and you know, hoping he bangs out of forty five or whatever, and then just be running with Grant from from round two onwards. Uh, I just think, yeah, to, the, the ceiling is is so good. Whether he plays sixty five minutes or not, like. I think he could be the number one hooker playing 65 minutes. He could be the number one hooker playing 80 minutes. I just think he is that talented. His game is that suited to super coach. It's not going to be a question for me. He's definitely going to be, you know, if not starting with my team, I'll be finding ways to get him in ASAP, basically.
0: Yeah, I can't see him not, not going to 65 plus minutes a yeah, game. Exactly. I think that's going to be there for sure. And it's going to be at least a 75-point average. So it's it's pretty hard to argue, I guess. If we're going to nitpick on Harry Grant, he only had a 37 base last year. Uh, Certainly, he relies heavily on his attack, but he's just such a good attacking player that you just have to give that to him. You know, you can't discount it because it's not something that's going to stop happening. He's going to keep getting the attack. And it's just, you know, with guys like Hines out of the picture uh, with Brandon Smith, needing to play more of a middle forward role and then leaving as well. I think they're going to want to pump some extra minutes into Harry Grant and getting playing hooker um, because he's really the hooker for the next five years, they're going to hope or yep. more. So uh, I think it's it's a great purchase for round one. Probably going to be the number one hooker. Um, probably, probably the only thing I'll say is that when we do get to the South podcast, I, I do have hopes of Cook having a bit of a bounce back. I do think that there's some value in Cook. Maybe with Harry Grant, you only get what you pay for, but that's still going to be one of the top hookers in the game anyway. So, I mean, if you needed a budget of, you know, someone who's going to be like 75K less or something, then then maybe you look at someone like a cook or something like that. But really, it's very hard in the hooker spot to see very many options and, and Harry Grant's going to be a top one, especially with that draw. Hard to argue with starting with him. Even though he misses round one, I think I'd be fine. And probably what I'd throw at you, Wilfred, is I think the Chad Randall coming up has made it easier. Because if Chad Randall is going to just give you a solid fifty to fifty-five points, meat potatoes now for the Knights as a starting nine. Now that Brayley's injured, I think everyone's going to own him as a second hooker, or a lot of people will. And you can easily just plug him in and get a solid fifty. Whereas if you're looking at sort of having a bit of enough hooker or a bench hooker, then you can't really have Harry Grant because you know you've got to play some of them. Might only give you 25, 30 points. It's a bit hard to start like that. So Randall probably makes it easier, I reckon, too.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. He definitely does. I guess um, just on that real quick, so I think you're talking about Chris Randall, not Chad. (laughs) Oh,
0: yes. Uh, I know. Oh, the immortal Chad Randall. That's right. uh, That's right. (laughs) Chris Randall from the Knights. Apologies to Chad and Chris.
1: Yeah. And, and look, I guess what I was going to point back really quickly on Damien Cook, I mean, I get what you're trying to say, that there might be a bit of bounce back, but, I mean, what do you see as Cook's ceiling? I mean, his season – his highest career average and I'm ignoring obviously his three game season in 2015, like his, his highest average is 77.6. So, I mean, do you see him getting back to that? Is that what you're thinking or?
0: I think it will be 70s. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it will be 70s and, and you'll get that at a cheaper price point than what you're going to for Harry Grant. So right. it's really going to be a matter of uh, where you want to spend your money. Uh, yeah, I, I guess the, the thing
1: out. with Grant is obviously like, I kind of feel what he just gave us in twenty twenty one might be his you know, maybe not his bare like bottom of his floor, but like he didn't have that good of a season by his standards, I feel. Like and and to me that seemed that that's scary that he didn't have that good of a season because it was actually quite injury riddled for him. And he still banged out almost a seventy-five average. So that to me says that if he does get 65 to 80 minutes consistently and continues to keep up his potential, um, we well, could be looking at an 80 85 average easily for
0: Grant. Yeah, he's got the potential and the talent too. I mean, again, playing devil's advocate, you know, we both said that we don't like how the middle stocks look. I don't like how the bench forwards look. Yeah, You could say that he's going to be playing behind a worse pack very easily. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's very valid. If that's the case, you know, especially for an attacking hooker that doesn't have very good base stats at all, he, he's his value is that he's such an immensely good attacking player. And anybody with their salt will tell you that uh, an attacking hooker is only as good as what their forward pack is. And Jesse Bromwich is another year older. All respect to him, he's gone well in the past, but he is a shadow of himself now. Um, Christian Welsh is a great. Um, solid forward that, uh, yeah, sure. Felice Cofizzi has fallen off an absolute cliff. And at the moment, you know, if Brandon Smith's on the bench, who knows who's going to be at 13, but they don't have Nass and they don't have uh, Tui there. It's just, it's really that forward pack might struggle more than what we've seen in Melbourne Storm forward pack struggle in a while. Uh, And that might be the counter to Harry Grant's ceiling.
1: Yeah, well look, there's there's probably a few other names that we might talk about a little bit later who could change that little makeup of that storm forward pack. So yeah, we'll come we'll keep going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Harry Grant, I mean, I think as, as much as we've got to look at all sides of the argument, um, at the end of the day, there's it's not gonna be a bad purchase at all. You know, he's he's a great option. He'll probably finish first off, if not second, in the hook states by the end of the year and has a good draw. So I expect him to fire. He'll do really well. Munster. Another guy that's suspended for the first round. Interested on your halves, take Wilfred. Now, me and Luke spoke about this. I've, I actually think it's really hard the six and seven spots in Supercoach for round one because if if Cleary's out initially for the early rounds, uh, if Munster's is suspended, Cody Walker's a lot of money doesn't have Adam medals there anymore. Yeah, it, it becomes a real search to say who you're going to start in the halves. So, I mean, because of that, does it make it easier to say? look, I'm really sold on Munster. I'm going to start with him. Or, you know, is that just a bit too crazy because you're going to have to start maybe a young South kid as as your first choice 5'8", if that's your team build for round one. Now, Munster's coming off his best season ever at a 74 average. You wouldn't have really noticed it, I don't think, if you owned him because there was a lot of frustration because he really didn't have... That many big games compared to some other backs. Certainly, the point scoring increase didn't really matter to him. He had one one hundred score, one one fifteen, and one one eleven. That's all pretty normal for him. Uh, it's certainly he just had a lot of solid scores of about fifty nine to type to eighty type of range, which is very Kevin Munster ish. Solid base thirty two, solid base base attack that always got you not low scores. Uh, he only had one score that was actually below um, 40 all year and only two below 50. So he's always that type of player, Cameron Munster. But Wilfred sitting out round one, there's all the talk in the off season as well, that he's given up the drink, he's focused, he's fitter than he's ever been, all that stuff. But with him, I feel like it, it could be very true because there was the rumours that the, the Storm even considered terminating his contract last year. Uh, certainly he's on his last legs. Um if he does anything else wrong, it feels like it's going to be over for him. And certainly I think the Dolphins are circling just quietly and, and he might be off to them if things don't work out with Melbourne this year and he doesn't step up. So quietly there's a lot on the line for Cameron Munster this year, I think, to perform. And I think he's saying and doing all the right things to do that. At 650K and missing round one, you know, do you buy into it? Is he a guy that's worth having even if he just produces his 74 points a game or do you expect something more from him?
1: Yeah, look, I think that's the, that's the big question, isn't it? Like, I feel like I said earlier, there's definite potential here that Munster could finish this number one, five eighth option come end of season, even if he does miss round one. Uh, you know, as you say, like he had his best season, but it certainly didn't feel like it. And I just think because he's always been such a good base guy, like he gets through so much work, and you know, he's so involved. Uh, somehow, even though when he doesn't, he feels like he's not touching the ball or whatever, then you, mm. you know, you, you check on his super coach score and he's somehow sitting on a fifty without having done anything, and then you know he he get, gets that one try assist or he barges over himself and then he's on you know seventy five eighty, and he's had a a very solid score without doing anything special. Like if Munster is motivated, as you say, he's got a lot to play for this season. And whether he's playing for his future at the Storm, whether he's playing for, you know, one last hurrah, um, you know, one last three, four-year deal and off to a cosy retirement, um, you know, with the Dolphins, I, I do think there's there's that narrative to support him having a big, big season. So, yeah, I'm actually trying not to get too excited about it, but like, I do see it happening. Um, I'm probably not going to start with Monster because, you know, I'm leaning the root of having harry grant but i've certainly kind of factored in a potential you know if he's coming out hard uh i will find a way to get him in you know earlier rather than later because i think yeah like his potential has always been there for supercoach he's got such a super Coach friendly game and if he manages to stay switched on for 80 minutes and plays hard the whole time you know he could be banging out at least cody walker type scores if not better because he's got much better base
0: yeah, his base is fantastic. I mean, he's 8% owned at the moment. Um, obviously, hard to get indicators off it, but there are obviously a few teams that are thinking about putting him in. I think the, a couple of things with me from Munster that uh, I guess make it hard. One thing is that if I'm paying 650000 for someone plus, I sort of want a guy that I could VC or see, and it's very hard to do that with Cameron Munster. Um, and I've done it many times in the past, and it's very frustrating because he'll, you know, throw up a, a solid forty-five, fifty in a game that he doesn't, you know, one of his worst of the year. And you go, well, it's a solid score, but I just put a, a VC that I wasted on him, and he did nothing. And then even the other games where you think he's going to carve up against really bad opposition, he plays well, but it's still only like a seventy-five, which is hard to whinge about and is an okay score. But it isn't something that you want as a captaincy or vice captaincy option, especially when these huge ceilings are out there with all these other guys, I like to be able to captain and vice-captain those guys. So if I am going to detract from how solid Munster is and how much potential there is for him to have a big year, uh, if he doesn't have a big year and it's similar, he doesn't really present a very good captaincy or vice-captaincy option ever.
1: And look, I I can totally agree with that. I don't think I would ever be looking to vice-captain Munster very often, but there's something to be said. Like If he's going to give me a season average of 75 Come in the year, like I'm really fine with that. If he finishes as the top one, two, or three, five, eighth, like that's fine. I'll I'll definitely have vice captain and captaincy options elsewhere. Like once you get Clary into your team and and you know, I assume you're probably rotating between, you know, Tedesco, papenhausen Turbo, whoever you have at fullback. I just can't see myself really ever wanting to vice captain a monster. Like, you know what I mean? Like that that's kind of the way I'd see it. So I get the appeal of wanting to have someone that you can blast captain, but there's also, you know, there's the appeal of having that
0: really, you know, rock solid score available the whole time. Um, If Munster wasn't suspended the first week and and, and there wasn't, you know, to me, there's there's two ways that this is going to go to finish up on Munster. He's going to have an equal career year or better, and he's, he's going to go fantastic. And you could be looking at a 74 to a 78 type of range for an average, and that's going to be great. Even if he misses round one, you're going to be happy enough with that. And certainly in no realm, is months are going to be a bad purchase to start with. Never going to say that. But the other way it can go is that he's a bit underwhelming and he has like a, a 66 point type of season, you know, similar to what he did in 2017. You know, when you're looking back, 2017 was 67 points, 2018 was 59 points, 2019 was 69 points, and 2020 was 70 points. You know, before last year, His four-round average is probably around about that 65-ish mark. Um, I could see that happening if he doesn't pick things up and things don't go as well. And the other part of that side of the narrative, if you go down that path, is Harry Grant and Jerome Hughes are both only getting better year on year at the moment and they're pretty dominant and the same can be said for Pappenhausen. So he's currently in a spine where probably, you know, a couple of years ago, I think the Stormers themselves even expected Cameron Munster to be the number one guy in their spine. And you could argue that there's very good potential that he could be the fourth guy in that spine with the way these guys are playing. And that's not disrespecting Munster. That's just how good the other talent is around him in that spine too.
1: Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think, like I said, I'm not going to start with Munster, but I, don't, I definitely could see the potential um, You know, I I think the other consideration is I think a lot of people start off with Grant and Pappenhausen, and to take three Melbourne Storm spine players with all the question marks over their pack uh, would be really risky.
0: Yeah, and like this is the other thing too. If you like, I'm definitely getting Pappenhausen and we're going to get to him very shortly, (laughs) but um, Grant, I'm potentially taking as well. To have three Melbourne Storm spine players is one thing. But when two of them are, are going to be out round one, you cannot kneecap yourself round one with Munster and Grant both out. And I think that's the other kicker with Munster as well.
1: Yeah, look, I've, I've certainly seen people considering it and tossing it up with the idea of like they, they think Munster will be, you know, top one or two, five, eight by the end of the season. So they want to save a trade and just have him for round one. I do agree with you. I think there's too much risk there. Uh, like you need everything to go right basically for Munster to, to hit that you know, top one or top two spot. So yeah, I you know if if I see it, I'll I'll be able to get him in. But if I don't see it, then you know, like I said, I'm not going to start with him, and it'll just be something I just watch closely.
0: Yeah, I'd rather wait and see with um with Munster. Um, I think that's probably the best bet. And I I guess if if we're saying that you can't have Munster and Grant, I think most people are going to choose Grant out of the two, and I think that's the best choice out of the two of them. Yep. And you, Agreed. you can't have both sitting on your pond. If if anyone said to you, like everybody, I think most people are having trouble as they always do every year with a round one salary cap, you know, trying to fit a team together with what you get to spend in round one. If somebody said to you, how about you try and do that, but take out another 1.3 million, you know, it's, that's kind of what you're trying to do for round one. If you're, if you're picking both Green and Munster, it's very hard to have a very good team at the start. And you, know, you move up very fast, Wilfred, but it's pretty soul-destroying if you start off at 60,000 in your rank just because you like
1: mm-hmm.
0: built yourself to fail round one. So I'd really about that, that hard. But in summary, Munster's going to be a good buy. His four is still going to be fantastic anyway. Couldn't begrudge anyone, but I wouldn't be picking two guys to sit out round one. Certainly one you could probably get away with. Moving along to Pappenhausen, who we mentioned just before. Now... He had a fantastic year, but he had one that was obviously quite um, interrupted. He's coming in now, no Nico Hines, completely healthy despite the um, moon boot gate of <laughs> the preseason that's now been debunked and fine. He's He's got nothing wrong with him. So that's great. He averaged 60 minutes a game last year and he's now going to be playing 80 minutes a game. So 20% increase is kind of what you expect is doing the maths on it. But when you're looking at, what he did in his 80-minute games last year, Papenau hasn't actually averaged 116 points, which is ridiculous. Like, you look at his 79 average and go, oh, okay, okay, that was good. He had some injured games or whatever. But when you actually pull it apart, 116 points as an average when you were playing 80 minutes is pretty insane. Now, to quantify that, you know, he only had, what, seven 80-minute games. So it's not like it's a massive sample size. But that's enough of a sample size. And he's a guy that does have the big ceiling. He scored the 197-point game against your Broncos in round four. He is a captaincy option. <laughs> he is going to be goal-kicking. I did have to rub it in, Wilfred. But what a sensational buy he looks like. You know, Pappenhausen is only going to be $694,000. Currently, I've got Tedesco and Pappenhausen as my full backs. I can't possibly not have Pap If you're not getting turbo, to me... Teddy and perhaps the, the really clear winner to have as your fullback options, 51% ownership says that everybody's thinking the same thing. Yeah,
1: look, um, he was first pick for me last year. He's first pick for me again this year, followed quickly by Teddy. So, yeah, uh, I'm well and truly in in on the same page with you. Uh, just to throw a little bit more in there. So you mentioned seven-game sample size, playing 80 minutes. Uh, if you add his two scores from the finals, again, obviously against good teams, the Seagulls and the Panthers, he scored 123 and 74 against those two. So you throw that in, it's nine-game <laughs> average playing 80 minutes of uh, 112. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident in Pappenhausen. And I think even in the round 25 game, he didn't goal kick. I don't know why. He must have had a bit of a niggle, but he let Heinz kick that game. So he managed 131 without goal kicking. Insane.
0: Look, what what do we think that he can get to? Because obviously 79 points a game last year was his highest is it feasible that he's going to be a 116 point player next year? I mean it's it sounds crazy to to say, you know, he's he's definitely going to average 100 plus because mathematically that sounds really low, but 100 plus would be a phenomenal season. I genuinely think
1: he could be 120 average.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely possible, isn't it? I mean, I I guess if we're going to look at everyone properly and fairly when we're looking at the negatives or the things that might pull him back from getting that 120. Um he's obviously had a, a fair few injuries. Uh he needs to be able to sustain it for a whole whole season. Hopefully he won't be out with injury, but if he's not, we might see that his um his sample size goes back a little bit when you're talking about a 25 game run, uh, as opposed to you know the seven game sample size of eight units that we had before. So that's probably the only thing that I can see bringing him back a little bit, which is why I maybe conservatively say 100 plus, but far out. You're getting like 25 points value despite kicking him. It's pretty insane.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it is insane. And I guess the only kind of point to that is I guess if you were to actually add all the goal-kicking points from Heinz and Paps together, mm. uh, I think, you know, I think Pappenhausen, his, his average only factors in because of the 13-game sample. Um, so the certain games he played, I think it only averages out to be about 11.5 points a game. Hines was averaging at about, you know, just under nine points per game. So, you know, potentially he could just through goal kicking full time um, across the season, you know, go up another eight, nine points in average, just like that. So, yeah, obviously this is all subject to the Storm still being able to do what they need to do through that forward back, which I, I know we touched on already. So, you know, that's the only big question mark I think there is for Pappenhausen if the Storm can still do what they do. And, again, like I said, I back Bellamy to make it work. I just think Pappenhausen will just, you know, he'll be in the mix for Dalian potentially.
0: So if we're being fair here, is there, is there any cause for me to mention the first six games of 2020 when you were starting and playing 80 at fullback, you only averaged 48 points a game?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's a fair point. Um, the only thing I will say to that is I do think he's a lot better and more confident as a player now. Because that's when he was only still, you know, getting used to being a full time first grader. You know, he's been around for a while, but like he hadn't really gotten many opportunities, and that was his first taste of being the full time fullback, you know. Mm. So, like, what we saw from him in those first six, seven rounds of 2020, I just don't think we've seen that since then. He's just far more involved in terms of his role. Uh, the attacking structures that the Storm have at the moment, they involve him. Like it, it's, it's often centred around what he can do. So, yeah, I don't have any real concern, honestly.
0: No, nah, look, you can't go wrong with buying him. It's just always important to look at the ceilings and the floors of guys. Um, Absolutely. And it is very important to look at 2020 because it is a year where he did play um, all 80-minute games, and for that he only had a 71 average. So certainly I agree with Wilfred that, He's going to be better now with his experience, with his age as well, and his maturity in his game and the things that he's developed are a lot different in the last couple of years than what he was doing. Um, But that might be the cause to say, well, maybe 120 is not as realistic. Maybe there is a chance that he goes 100. Either way, you're going to get immense value, though, so you can't really lose with him. Uh, A guy that you could lose with is definitely Hughes. Now, I'm not going to say Hughes is a mistake, but... Geez, I loved him last year. Like, he was one of my hits last year. And, you know, I put the Barnsley hits on the jukebox. There was a few, but not as many as (laughs) what I would like to be playing. Um, Certainly, we'd probably be leaving the party reasonably early. We would have had a good time, but we wouldn't quite be ready. (laughs) But, yeah, Hughes was one of the hits, definitely. Um, When I got him in, he he really fired for me. Um, He's one of the more astute purchases I made last year. So Hughes is coming in as a half-pack that you could choose. And certainly if we're saying, you know, guys like Cleary out, if that is the case, people, like we said, are scrambling at six or seven to look for guys that they can buy. He's 640000 um coming off a, a 73 average. So that's pretty highly priced. It's obviously well and above what he's done in his career. There's probably cause that he could repeat it, Wilfred. Um, But there's certainly not going to be any value there. So I I wouldn't be choosing Hughes myself. I think that the time to look at Hughes was last year. All the signs were there, 123-point game, 141-point game, four tonnes in total for the year. It was all there for him last year. Um, But that's basically the reason why I think that you really shouldn't go there for, for this year. Although I will say everyone will remember me on this podcast round one because he will carve up that Tigers team. Uh, with no Grant and no Munster in that side, he will carve it up round one and everyone will go, wow, I should have chosen Hughes, but you'll feel better about it later.
1: Yeah, look, I I think uh, I'm pretty close to where you're at with Hughes. I I genuinely try to avoid people coming off career years and obviously that that is Jerome Hughes. Uh, I think the one thing that does obviously, as you say, lend itself to a potential repeat is he's got such a good uh, work rate He's you know gets stuck in defensively, and he loves to run the ball, and that's all really good for Supercoach. So, you know, if the Storm continue to get on those roles, and if they're still the attacking machine that they are that that they were from twenty twenty one, then you know he's going to be right right amongst that. And there's every chance that he can come close, if not even you know that there's a there's an outcome where he exceeds what he did last year. But I, I lean against him doing that. Um, but he could still easily be, you know, number two or three halfback, depending on how the other options go in that position.
0: Yeah, he generally could be, but it's, he really could. I mean, he had 73% of his games that was 60 plus last season and he scored like nine tries in his 22 games. So he had a really good strike rate, like you said, as far as running the ball. It worked great for him. I could see him repeating it or, or being a little bit better. Um, I just wouldn't really want to spend 640K on that. And also, you know, he could still have a really good season. Second best season he's ever had would be 65 still. And that's just going to be eight points overpriced. Um, but he does have a pretty good draw. So potentially a good pod buy. You know, I'm really not into it. But as a pod purchase, you know, it, it could actually pay off for you.
1: Well, that's it, isn't it? Like when you kind of think, oh, I wouldn't do it. And then, you know, if someone does do it, <laughs> it could really pay off. But, you know, 8.3% ownership. So some people obviously think in that way. You know, hoping that they can start with him, and maybe praying that Cleary comes down a little, Jerome Hughes goes on a little run with that nice draw to start with, and maybe they can find you know 150 200 grand and make the jump ASAP. It could be perhaps the the plan for those
0: Hughes uh, round one owners. If you wanted to go pod and you were pretty concerned to do the rest of your team with the storms draw and and what Hughes did last year, like I wouldn't say to anyone that you can't do it. Put it that way. Let's have a look at a rising gun, Justin Olam. Olam averaged 56 points a game in 2021. That was his career year. Uh, 43% of the time he went 60 plus. So look, you know, it's it's not great, but I mean, he went 60 plus a lot more than what, a, you know, Tony Staggs has done in a full season. Uh, he's also someone who went on some runs as well. Certainly some people... Got a bit overly excited during the year and spoke about Olam being a gun already. Um, he comes in at 489000 for a price point. So he's sub 500. He's another one of those many guys in that sort of price range that you could choose for your centre wing. I am really not into it because I don't think he's going to be rising. Um, I, I really disagreed with many people last year. You know, there was a lot of people that were saying he was uh, underrated. I thought he actually got overrated. You know, he looks a lot better. Watching him, it's great seeing him hit guys and everything, but it's things that don't give you extra super coach points. He managed to score 11 tries last year. So he had like a 50% strike rate. Um, His base was good at 27. As a real base, it was okay, but he's got the tackle breaks in there, which really pump it up. He was a solid guy, Wolfred. I just never really bought into the narrative that he was a gun and he never really got there. Um, And I don't think that that's going to happen this year. I just don't see his game lending itself. He already scored bulk tries last year. More than he ever has. So if that's a fifty-six average, yeah, certainly he's not going to rise to gun status this year, I don't think.
1: Yeah, look, I think I have to agree. I mean, it's hard to see the storm being able to match their offensive output that they did last year just basically because of the question marks over the forward pack, because of all the other potential changes to reduce the scoring overall. Like I just think, you know, everything went right for Ollam, and that's what probably the best of what he dished us. Like he's not the strike weapon in that back line. It, there's so much there's so much firepower everywhere in that team that it's not like where, like to use the Stag's example, you know, Stags is one of the main go to guys for the Broncos in the back line. You throw the ball to him, let him do his stuff. You know, it's not really that that setup there for Olam. You know, they don't design plays, they don't get him into attacking areas and just throw the ball to him they throw the ball to Munster to Pappenhausen or Harry Grant just keeps it himself and uses his skills to, to make things happen. Uh, So yeah, to me, it just doesn't seem like he could in in, like, if he even, even, even if he repeats 2021, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Happy to give him big miss, honestly.
0: Yeah. The last two years, he's had one, one ton each of those years. He doesn't go huge. And if you're looking at the price point, you know, you'd rather go down to someone like a Stags, $50,000 less to spend. If I'm going to spend around the Olam price tag, spend $20,000 more, $30,000 more and get a Daniel Tupo, who I think is a much better option. You know, at that price point, there is so many options. You know, as bad as Momorowski can be at times, if he's a goal-kicking rooster and you're going to pay almost the same price, even slightly less than what an Olam is. There's just no way that Olam's a better option there either. Now, yeah. I could rattle off another 10, Wilfred. You know, that price range is right with different options that are going to be better than Olam. So great to watch in real life. Not great to have in your supercoach team. I would definitely move on. A guy that is a bit of a pod, although I'm not going to say ballsy, is Welsh. Welsh is always a little bit undervalued. Um, certainly last year, I ended up throwing him in my side for round one. I, I liked it. Um, but I always just felt it was just that little bit underwhelming, Wilfred. I always wanted that just him to switch over and just give me a little bit more. And, and sometimes you would see it. Like there'd be times where he'd throw like three offloads in a 20-minute period and you'd be like, right, this is the game. And then he'll go off for like 30 minutes and it just really kills your momentum and he'll come on and score like nine points in his 24-minute stint when he comes back. You know, it just always seemed to be like that very often. Um, but he did have a really good year, Christian Welsh. So he's worth mentioning because he's going to be a front row forward and he's also going to be an alpha, really, because they've got Finucane gone, they've got Naz possibly not playing. They could lean on him quite a bit and that's where the value might come in. He's 519,000, so not cheap but not hugely priced as a front row forward and he's someone who was very solid. So he scored 59 points a game last year, almost the old school gun status of 60 plus but not quite basically half the time he was going 60-plus, but had a lot of scores that were kind of, you know, that 50 to 65 range. Doesn't have a huge amount of 70s or 80s. I only actually had three that were in that range out of the games of 19, so rarely ever does it. Reasonably big, certainly hardly ever tons. 47 base is okay, for the minutes at 52 minutes a game. It was his offloads that were starting to come along that gave you a bit of promise, but they kind of dried up at times. So it's really hard with Welsh like, He's got the potential. He's got a decent work rate. He can offload quite well. I guess the value there for him could be if you think that those minutes from 52 are going to go up to 60, you know, there's going to be a lot of value there. You might even get 10 extra points there maybe or close to it, in which case you might have a 67 to 69 type of guy. But, you know, do those middle minutes shift there, Wilfred? Are they really short enough for Craig Bellamy to rely more on Welsh now?
1: Yeah, I think that's the big question, isn't it? And I... I mean, I don't see it. I think maybe he gets to fifty-five. Like, I don't think Bellamy wants to play a guy week in week out for sixty minutes, especially if he's your, you know, as you said, the, uh, the alpha for that team now. Like, I love Welsh. He's such a he's such a good player, and I do think he's actually better on the field than his supercoach scores would mm-hmm. otherwise indicate. Agreed. So he's one of those guys where you know he'll he'll go in hard be, and, and try to be the first guy to hit. Um, but then sometimes he bounces the he bounces off, and that's a negative one for him as a missed tackle. But it's had desired impact, you know. It stopped the momentum, and you know he's shown the intent, and and it has impact on the field. Like I kind of feel sometimes he does that, and then other times he play, sits back and plays that more super coach friendly role. You know, does all the tackling, gets in there, you know, does the softer runs where he can kind of turn his back at the last minute and get the offload away and. Yeah, we love that stuff, but it's actually not always that useful on the field, right? So <laughs> I do think, yeah, he's a tough one. It's a bit of an enigma. I do think I would probably lean against starting with him just because I don't think he's going to get that boosted minutes to, make, to really justify it. I think he's just worth a little too. Like, if he was the same price as what he was at the start of 2021, I'd be all for it. But I just think he's a little bit pricier that if he was, you know, even 50 grand, 60 grand cheaper. I'd be all for it, but yeah, he's in that really awkward price range where there's probably one or two other guys that might be worth looking at first, or you find a little bit more and and try to get, you know, find
0: find another 50, 60 grand to go up to a better option. Yeah. 450K would have been the sweet spot for him. And unfortunately for Welsh, because he doesn't have those bigger games and I'm not even talking tons. I'm talking like seventies and eighties scores. It's very hard for him to make money. So, I mean, I was in the awkward spot with him last year where he didn't go badly for me, but I just had to upgrade. And I ended up having to sell him for, you know, what was forty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 profit, something like that. And it's, you know, it wasn't great. He just doesn't, he's just not going to make enough money for you to, to even go that way and just get some early points and some cash and then cash out. So I'm not going to do it. I don't think that you can, but I will say that I do see a world where, Welsh does go towards sixty minutes, maybe not sixty, but he definitely has a career year and scores towards mid sixties in his scoreline. Um, I could see a sixty-five point season, and if he does that, front yeah. row Ford could be decent.
1: Round one, Ra- round one, he'll play sixty-seven minutes and bang out seventy-three in base and Base attack, <laughs> <laughs> and then travel. Oh yeah, people. yeah, for
0: sure. <laughs> like I could definitely see it round one. Like Brandon Smith's out, Nas could be out, Tui will be out. You know, like <laughs> he- he'll he'll probably bust out an eighty-minute game. And everyone will be like, he's going to be the first front rower that plays 80 minutes a game. Everyone get on. (laughs) And then, you know, we'll all get hate mail because we'll all tell everyone not to do it. And the next week he'll play 53 minutes. But, you know, to be fair to Christian, I I do see year. the last five years in a row, he has gone up significantly every year. And I'm talking like the last three years in a row has been like eight or nine points increases. Um, And every year for the last five in a row, he's gone up. So that continues. You know, you'd expect him to be at a 65 mark. So I could see that happening. I'm going to go for some other options and I'll talk about Um, one of them will probably be Tamita Penguai Jr., which we'll save for the Bulldogs podcast. That's what I was alluding to when you can find another 50 grand, 60 grand for a better option. (laughs) Yeah, and obviously Haas is there as your alpha that you want to start with. So yeah, just not not quite good enough for Welsh, but let's move along. Before we do, I do need to mention the sponsor of the All-Stars podcast, Top Sport. Top Sport are 100% Australian-owned bookmaker you can go there to bet any sports or racing, and they'll have often the best odds in market. If you are going to have a gamble, make sure you do it responsibly, but make sure you do it with Top Sport. Open your account with a promo code from this podcast, and they'll take special care of you. That promo code is SCALLSTARS, all one word. You can bet on the NRL futures all right now, but Top Sport have plenty of markets, not just betting on the winners and losers. You can also bet on who's going to make the top eight, who's going to miss it, who's going to make the top four, over and unders on wins. They've got all types of futures markets already up there and more on top sport. Fantastic Aussie bookie. Get on with the SC All-Stars promo code. Let's move along, Wilfred. Controversial chat here. It is controversial because I think that we both disagree <laughs> on our talent assessment on young Xavier Coates. Uh, I very much am not a fan. Um, obviously, he's a bit of the flavour of the month because, look, I love Craig Bellamy as a coach. and He's one of the great coaches. There's no disputing that he gets the best out of a lot of players. And even acknowledging all that, I think it's starting to get a little bit overstated that he makes everyone into a superstar. You know, not everybody that Craig Bellamy touches can be an Australian captain. And it feels like some people are starting to run that narrative. And Xavier Coates is one that they think is already going to be better than, you know, Addo Carr just slotting into that Melbourne system. Uh, he comes in at 358000 to purchase off a 41-point average in 2021, pretty underwhelming average. Um, when you go through the numbers, it's even worse. So three out of his 17 games were 60-plus, which obviously isn't very many at all. But when you're looking at his try scoring, he did score 11 tries in 17 games. So it's not like, you know, he wasn't getting any points when he was slotting in on the wing on the Broncos Obviously, the the chat is that he's going into a storm system that's going to score more points. Very valid. I'm sure that he will score more points. But if he's already scored 11 out of 17 as a strike rate, how many more is he really going to score? Like if he scores four more and a couple of extra line breaks, so he's going to score 15 tries in 17 games as a strike rate that's really high. Uh, You know, give him two line breaks, give him four tries, and you're going to go from, what, a 41 to a 46 average. You know, that's that's really not very enticing at all for me. Um, he's going to have to have some big scores in him, and he didn't seem to when you have a look at his season last year, even though it was at the Broncos. He could score two tries and still not go massive. Um, certainly we haven't seen a hat trick from him, so maybe that's what he needs. But, you know, he's he scored two tries round one last year, and that was 52 points. Very underwhelming. Had 99 for his three tries in round three, so I guess that's a, a good sign. Uh, but then he had another game of two tries where he scored 65 points. Very underwhelming again.
1: To be fair, that, that 52 was in 33 minutes when he got hurt. So give him a little credit.
0: All right. So that might have been a 65 game as well for him. You know, <laughs> Which, uh, in all seriousness, it probably would have been. Um,
1: you know, yeah, it yeah, could be. Could be. Uh,
0: round 23, he did play the 80 minutes with his two tries and he got his 65 points in that one. So, I mean, he, he obviously didn't have any tons last year um, when you're looking at his big scores. His high was a 99, his second best was an 85. Those were the only two scores that were actually above yep. 70 plus, um, and he only had one other score that was above 60 plus, and that was his 65, which was his you know basically his, his three, two out of his three 60 point games he had to score a double in. so obviously it's the Broncos Wilfred I'm going to completely acknowledge that, but when you look at things like base rate, you know he had an 18 rule base that is atrocious and it's never going to be a strength of his. You know, I don't care if Craig Bellamy is the best coach in the history of the game. He can't make somebody double their work rate, and I don't think in their system they're going to need him to. I really think that he's going to be a guy that they're going to want to finish, and they're going to want to limit his mistakes because, as you said, he made a lot of mistakes last year. Defensively as well, he can make some mistakes. I think they'll make a better footballer out of him. I don't think he's going to be a great super coach option. Certainly, you know, if he gets to 50 points a game, that's nine points better, you can start to see some value. But I just think that some people are expecting him to be a sixty plus player and that's you're you're asking for a fifty percent increase in performance. Yeah, look,
1: I, I'm hundred percent with you on the work rate thing. I mean, to to be fair, like the Josh Addo comparison is very apt because I think Adokar's base was twenty or something like that as well. So very close to what Coates was dishing up. Um I think for me, the it's not about the season average again. Like if you're taken a flyer on someone like that. It's it's almost like the Charlie Stans argument. you were hoping he was going to score, you know, a hat trick in round two or three, and you know, shoot up 150 grand in the space of five weeks. Like it's it's what you're hoping for with Atto Carr. You know, every year he goes on this five week run where he'll go up 100 to 200 grand because he goes on a bit of a scoring spree, and that's honestly all all that you're asking for if you are starting with Xavier Coates. That's, that's what I'm seeing anyway. Like, that would be the only reason I put him in my team, looking at the fact that he does have that great early draw. I think the other question up for me is, like, is he playing right wing? Because obviously of cashed in playing left wing because he's on monster's edge. Like, I, I do think there's a potential here because Coates is a natural right winger from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, I thought that he was going to play on the right wing. Um and. Yeah. I thought that I did see that as well, so I didn't think that he's going to. Slow yeah, him so that I card. wonder
1: if that's going to play into things. Like again, do they, you know, use him a bit more because he becomes their strike, X factor winger, uh, type type, um, you know, uh, type type of weapon? I suppose you could say, uh, like that. There are a lot of question marks there. So you know, personally, I'm not going to start with him. Like if I roll the dice with is because maybe he's dropped a little bit more in price, and you know, then they have a really good kind of three, four game stretch. And yeah, like that that's the way I'd look at it. But yeah, I I'm not gonna start with codes for now. Like it, the there's better options from what I from what I can see.
0: Yeah, and look I'm you know when I'm saying I don't like these codes, like I'm talking for round one. You know, if Xavier Coates was good, and really with any players, like a lot of guys could end up being a purchase in round seven or eight or whatever. You know, that's fine. Everyone's going to have their runs and everyone's maybe going to drop in price. Like if Xavier Coates starts badly, he could dip to 270K. And, like, that's fine. Have a go at him at 270K. At almost 360,000, he's just priced himself out of the market for me as an option. Because at the moment, all of the numbers say he's terrible for Supercoach. Yep. So, you know, you can only expect so much and hope and pray so mm-hmm. much. Uh, and for him, you're just asking for way too much. It might work out, but Supercoach is always playing the law of averages. And 90% of the time, if you take this risk, it's not going to work out on the numbers. You know, he could be he could be better, and it's still not going to work out for you. So, again, like Wilfred said, if he was cheaper, I, I'd be all for it. But 360,000. There's just better options. I would be going down to cheaper guys, 100K cheaper, and I'd be going up to guys 50 to 80K more expensive that are guaranteed to be better. So that's just my take on it. Um, He's a really easy one, though, to fix. If it ends up that he has a career year and he's twice the player we've ever seen before, that's fine. You can just downgrade to him or just straight swap someone else to him. So I don't think it's that big a deal. I certainly don't think it's worth the risk, though, to put him in your side round one. So I would definitely be passing Let's move along to. Um, I just want to mention Brandon Smith for a minute. Now I know that he's, suspe- I know that he's suspended round one, but as you said, there's still almost ten percent of people that have got him in their side, and I've seen people talking about it, and I have actually seen the chatter that, well, if if Asafa Solomon doesn't play, um, if two is out, then they're going to need to play him both minutes, and you know that's kind of valid, um, but in saying that. Brandon Smith had quite a career year, um, and he is moving along as well. Um, Now, 60 minutes a game last year, I don't see him topping that at all. 68 points a game last year, I don't see him topping that at all. So he's overpriced to me. Um, He's moving along. I think Bellamy will play him at least 10 minutes a game, less than that even when he's playing. So I really don't see any appeal at all. A lot of his points came from try-scoring. He had one of the more ridiculous runs of try scoring that I've ever seen <laughs> from a, a hooker slash middle forward. Yeah. He, you know, from round eight through to round 16, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tries. Yep. From, eight tries and he to he average to try a try game for about an eight game stretch. Two months averaging a try game. And he's a, he's middle a middle <laughs> Hooker middle forward. Yeah. You, know, you, you will not see that again. Let alone banking on him to do that and adding in the other three tries he scored for eleven tries in his twenty-two appearances. You know, you're not going to get a fifty percent strike rate. You're not going to get the minutes. So Wilfred, I don't think we have to spend too long on Brandon Smith. Props for a great year. Don't don't put him in your side for round one and have the suspended game and then get disappointed with his sixty fifty-five average. Yep.
1: Uh, no 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 disagreements there at all. I'm well with you then.
0: <laughs> Let's start to talk about the mids and cheapies that are on offer. Now, you mentioned Josh King. Uh, I think a few people are hoping that Josh King does well. We've already mentioned that they could be very short in the middle forward spots. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, when a side is struggling, it presents great super coach opportunities. So if side's missing Naz and also going to miss Brandon Smith, at least round one, which is great too, um, that's, going to be good, but then Tui's out for the year, possibly. Josh King comes into calculations. Now, King has been a perennial plotter, like Wilfred said. He has gone 25 minutes a game in 2021 for his 28 points. Um, He has always been a 28 to 35-point guy, never played more than 40 minutes a game, which gave me a 35-point average in 2017. So I guess the question begs Wilfred, you know, if you've seen him do 35 points in 40 minutes, is that kind of his ceiling? Are we looking at him maybe being only seven or eight points underpriced? Do we think the Storm can bring a bit more out in him, or is he going to play more than 40 minutes? Um, when we're looking at the price point, mm-hmm. he is a front row forward that you can get for 255000 and I guess that's the appeal. There's not very much in front row forward that you know is going to play, or even that you know is going to have a bench role for the season to make enough money. So, he kind of ticks those boxes as someone that might be interesting if Tui and Naz are both out. Yeah, I think that's the only reason you'd look at
1: him, basically, is if all those middle forwards are gone on top of losing Finucane. I just think, yeah, he might just by necessity be asked to play 40 minutes, and if he averages 35 to 40, then it'll be a slow burn, but you'll get some, you know, get a little bit of cash out of him on your bench, and... Yeah, there's not much else to it. It's not like we're expecting big
0: things from him. It's just out of the price point, just out of necessity, basically. Yeah, and he doesn't have to do too much. But, I mean, like, when we're looking at other guys in this storm, so, uh um, Tepo Marioa is someone who obviously played for the Eels for a number of years, then left, and now has ended up back at the storm, 205000 So you're going to pay fifty k less for a dual second-row forward, front-row forward. Um, he doesn't need as many minutes as what King does. So to me, he might be a guy that's going to be a better purchase. He's got the jewel as well, which is a plus, but he's not going to need to do as much to make money at only a 200K price point. So yeah. it's going to be interesting because he's a guy that could feasibly start at 13 even. Um, I'm not sure. There's been some sides that have had him there and I don't know whether I necessarily agree with that, but there's no doubt they're going to be short. And he's a guy that's pretty experienced, but he's not too old. I think he's about 27. Um, And in his games last year, you know, he only had 16 points a game in 15 minutes, but he did have that one PPM, which is consistent in the last two years as well across his last 24 games. So if he's got a one PPM and he's going to play 45 minutes, that's a 40 to 45 points from a guy that's only 200K. And that's going to make a hundred K a lot faster. So at the moment, if, if both King and, and Mario are in the squad, I'm kind of having preference for Mario, but I mean, maybe he only plays 15 minutes a game like he was last year, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're stuck with him.
1: Yeah. And and look, it just again depends on availabilities of cheapies elsewhere. There's a it, it would not be shocking to me if I ended up starting with both these guys just out of necessity, basically. <laughs>
0: Uh, it could it be, be pretty gross. but Glutton for punishment, <laughs> that is.
1: I'll just be hoping that more more cheap players show up, basically.
0: Well, look, Howarth is another guy um that you spoke about with me. You know, I don't know much about Jack Howarth at all, I'll be completely honest, Um and he's a rookie. He's rookie price, though, so you're going to get him at bottom dollar. Uh, what's the take on Howarth? Do you, do you think that he's going to make the 17, and do you think him being, you know, 25-odd K less than Mario makes him more appealing?
1: Yeah, look, I... I've I'm his name out there because I think he's going to be an absolute stud eventually. It might not be this year. And that's the thing. Uh, there's, this guy is, I think, the long-term replacement for either Feliz Fusi or Kenny Bromwich. He's going to have one of those edges potentially as soon as next year onwards. Yep. Question for him. And, and you know, the Storm just, just signed him for five years at basically 500K per season. So they've they raped this kid and he hasn't stepped foot on the football field yet. So
0: And normally uh, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna you're gonna blood them into first grade and you're gonna prepare him to start first play first grade.
1: And there's some chat that he might actually start playing some center and things like that to give him a taste of first grade and then you know slowly transition him to the bench and play in the edge for like so there's a lot of chat about what they might do. Um, so he might not be there round round one. He may end up coming into the team later in the season as a bench forward. But, like, the Storm, I obviously rate this kid extremely highly. Um, you know, that's like a pain hearts deal, basically, on, on that level, effectively. <laughs> so And you yeah, expect
0: it, Craig Bellamy and the Storm not to really get that wrong because they're normally pretty solid on their recruitment calls. Absolutely. And they don't pay for
1: that kind of level unless they're basically certain I mean that's what they do carrying around basically. So, yeah, yeah. I,
0: and Jesse Bromwich has just walked as well. Um, so I mean, they're obviously, you know, not that they're both not that this this kid's going to be a middle forward, but as far as forwards go, you know, they've let, let Kafusi go from the back row and they've let Bromwich go from the front row, and those are staples of that pack, and they've paid yeah. that money to Jack Howard.
1: And I, I flagged a bit earlier that we might talk about that, but like I said, he's an edge back roller, and Kenny Bromwich is someone who can play lock. And yep. you know, be a bench hooker or whatever. So there is a chance that eventually, I'm not saying it's from round one, but if Cabron moves into the middle, um, and that's to maybe accommodate someone like a Howarth or even you know Trent Loyero or whatever his name is, um, who who kind of flashed a little last year and, and obviously has the advantage of having played and, and been relevant for the storm already last year. Um, you know, there are some iterations. I'm not suggesting there will, but you know, if they really end up that short, um, you know, and, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Kenny Bromwich play 13 in round one while there's no cheese and there's no other middle forwards and, and someone else have to be on the edge for a round or two. Um But, yeah, like if come mid-season and Kenny Bromwich is on the bench or starting at lock or whatever, like that could, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked at all.
0: Yep. All very valid points. So maybe Howarth is one of those guys where, Every year, people need to start with guys that they think are going to play and be a buy later on. And if you're finding yourself needing to plug one of those in your forward pack, Howarth might be a name to remember and throw in there if you're struggling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying my best to not have anyone like that in there. But, you know, if I was trying to bank on someone who will get a shot at some point this year, uh, he's probably one of the few names I'd definitely consider.
0: Well, that's going to conclude the Melbourne Storm, guys, and that's the end of part two of the Broncos and Storm preseason team review podcast. So, Wilfred, it has been a pleasure like it always is. We'll have you on during the season as well to chat when the actual footy starts and we can reminisce about when the Broncos were good again.
1: (laughs) Oh, don't do this to me, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks for having me on, Barnsley. You know I always love coming on the chat football and to chat, chat Supercoach with you. Always have a blast.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, if you want to listen to Wilfred's podcast as well, jump on that. NRL Supercoach Champions, they're underway with their preseason stuff too and we'll be going all through the season. If you're downloading this podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, on all of them, make sure that you hit a subscribe on iTunes so you get the episode straight away. And do follow us on Twitter at nrl underscore sc underscore all stars and also make sure that you tune in in a week's time to the next podcast we'll have a brand new guest with two new teams that we're going to do and if you're going to have a punt do it responsibly on top sport with sc all stars as your promo code to open your account and make sure they take great care of you we are six teams in to the team previews we are going to be halfway through the team previews next week make sure you tune in again there